He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Brendan Nunes from the Kings Pulse Podcast and the Kings Herald. What's going on, Brendan? I am doing good, James. Um, yeah, got to have a pretty fun experience at Golden One Center yesterday, and I'm glad to be in the door every single home game for the rest of the year and hopefully for. As long as, I don't know, as long as you're going, I'm, I'm aiming for a decade plus, two decades. I don't know. We're going to see. But I'm, I'm All right. good. That's awesome. I, I like to hear that uh, that you're excited and you want to keep doing this forever. Um, it's a bear. It, it it wears you out. It uh, Give me, it give me some... one more year and then I'll be over it. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, like we talk about this, uh, like it, you have to pace yourself and like everyone that like a lot of you know like i i started uh at cowbell kingdom and my partner for a podcast and my partner on, on cowbell was john santiago for years and john would like he wouldn't stop and then all of a sudden he would snap and i could see it coming and he would like the anxiety would start building up and he would get all crazy and then boom he'd be like I need to disappear for like two weeks and then he would go away and then he would refresh. He would come back and he would go right back to killing himself every day. And, uh, I do the same thing. I don't remember if we talked about this off bot or maybe it was last recording. Um, but I am very guilty of the exact same thing and I feel it coming. And then all of a sudden I just have so many things I want to get done. I'm so stressed about the entire list that I can't even do one of them. And I have to do a full reset, which feels like crap the first couple of days because I'm not even actually relaxed. I'm just worried about not doing the stuff that I can't be doing. Um, so, yeah, still still getting a rhythm there. Yeah, you got to pace yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. It is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, and you have to take mental health days. You have to, like, look at a day and go, okay, I need to not do anything. And that's really hard because it seems like every time you try to do one of those days – um, something stupid happens and you get drawn right back in. All of a sudden I get a text or I get a, uh, like an email comes through or, or something breaks on, on social media and you're like, Oh, I was supposed to have today off. Um, I'll, I'll tell people like this, uh, maybe a handful of times in the last 12 years, I haven't taken my laptop to dinner with my wife, maybe a handful of times. And that's like a very, very special occasion where I know, that there's no way something's happening. I always have my laptop with me everywhere. Uh, my car is is like if it were broken into, I would be in shambles because my laptop is always in there. My backpack is always there uh, because uh, there's so many times where it's like, ah, hang on, I got something going on. Give me two seconds. I'll pull my laptop, write something really quick, put it out, and then go back to dinner or whatever it is. So yeah. Shout out to Mrs. Ham, understanding and and the sacrifice. 
you know, I, that's one of the things I tell young reporters. There's there's two things. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things I tell. Like Brennan can tell you, there are a lot of things I will talk to you about. Um, but when I talk to young reporters, it's um, number one: when you're young, start watching what you're eating because this job is absolutely brutal on your body. And a huge, huge percentage of beat writers are heavy. They're out of shape. They're in poor health. And it's because, you know, take, for instance, like on a normal day where we're having shoot around at 1030 in the morning, you go, I leave my house at 930, I get to shoot around for 1045. Um, then I get stuck in Sacramento because, you know, gas prices are astronomical, and I'm not going to drive home and back. So I leave the house at 930 in the morning, I get home at around 1230 or one. And you have dinner around five o'clock at the arena, sometimes six, but then it's midnight and you're starving. And on the way home, you stop at Taco Bell. And so you end up eating very poorly. And I like Logan Murdoch has been around the Kings a lot, uh, the last couple of days from the ringer. And I watched Logan as a young guy coming up and, you know, doing his thing, but not really writing. And, you know, he's doing audio and all kinds of different stuff. But then when he went to NBC, I pulled him aside and said, look, this is, you know, it's a big deal. You need to maintain yourself. And you also like, you need to watch what you eat. You need to give up soda because there's soda machines in every place that we're at. And it's unlimited drinks all night long. You need to switch to water and tea and, you know, uh, like get off all of these things. Because if not, it's a sedentary lifestyle. It is. And you end up having a bunch of health issues. And, um, and I, I see it from guys all the time, you know, and we've lost a lot of beat writers, you know, that, you know, it's, it's a hard job on your body. It's a hard job. It's, it's a lot of fun and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it's how my brain works and I, I dig it. But at the same time, it is a brutal grind that wears you down to a nub and you end up having poor eating habits and, uh, and all kinds of other things, you know, it, it and the second thing I tell people is if you're gonna survive if you're a lot of beat writers are divorced um and so you need a very very good partner lawyer oh yeah yeah a very good partner (laughs) yes there you go uh my partner is an is an attorney so that i i got that one covered sort of i guess um (laughs) but uh but you need someone who is going to be understanding because if not like you you're not going to last like it's it's a brutally hard job on everyone involved, um, and, and I think the good thing for me is that about five or six years ago, my oldest started becoming a basketball fan, so we talk basketball a lot. That does help, but uh, like my youngest, he's not a basketball guy at all. Um, all right, so Brendan, uh, we're gonna get to the show. Uh, I do have dogs roaming free today, so I'm going to apologize. Uh, Hopefully, family members will be home soon, and I won't have dog issues. But if you hear little tiny thump-thump-thumps, uh, that's the corgi. If you hear nails, like really noisy nails, that's the pug. Um, and then if the big guy starts barking, that's the only time you'll hear him because he's super quiet outside of that. So apologies uh, about the dog situation, but it I happens. I think we got a tiny pug appearance for a second there. Uh, it, yes, um, it's actually the Corgi, um, for some reason her nails are clicking today as well on the hardwood floors. Um, but yeah, the Corgi is wandering around me. The pug will claw at my leg. He wants to get up and sit on my lap 
even though he weighs like 30-something pounds and he's not <laughs> sitting on my lap while we do a podcast. Uh, okay, so let's get to some basics. Uh, number one, thank you so much for subscribing to the King's Beat podcast on YouTube. We have crested the 1,000 mark. We're going to ask you to keep going. So if you're watching the podcast right now, give us a thumbs up. And also, uh, give us a, uh, hit the subscribe button. Um, King's Beat... There's a Corgi. Uh, King's Beat... Um, off the record with the King's Beat, Virtual Happy Hour Part 4 Infectious Disease Control uh, is scheduled for March 24th from 5.30 to 7.30, and that's with Scott Moak, and uh, I'm super excited about that. Scott Moak has incredible stories, PA announcer for the Kings. Uh, that is for premium subscribers to the King's Beat, so make sure you jump on and do a premium subscription to the King's Beat. Um, also, we still have a promo code if you look in the YouTube um link uh promo code for the merch shop which has cool things like this um, i think we have some new stuff's coming up uh, relatively soon um, but uh jump on board and uh, there's a 15 percent off code down below in the description of the youtube for the king's merch shop um, and so you can get some cool stuff brendan's stuff is still on the way i, I promise he's getting it all right uh. i'll take your word for <laughs> it yeah um uh, all right so uh brendan um sacramento king's uh, lost our third straight. Um, I, I'm just going to start with this blanket question. Is this the best of all possible worlds? Because they're playing much better. And, uh, and I'm quoting, uh, Dr. Pangloss there, I, I believe Professor P Pangloss from Candide, but the best of all possible worlds. Um, they are playing well. They are fighting. They are giving the fans moments to cheer about. And they are losing. All of those things seem to be a good thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm going to be careful about painting the Sacramento Kings as being in this amazing scenario. But with what the goals we have in mind for the rest of this season, uh, yesterday was definitely best case scenario. Um, the only thing that could have gone better is Sabonis getting another night against Jokic and, and really matching up well there. But... A loss in the end is uh, the best thing for this team. And I don't think that the players or coaching staff is out there trying to do that or anything like that. Um, and, and you can clearly see the fight in these players. And the fact that there is progress, I've been kind of unsure how to traverse and talk about these last few games. Um, and, the, and the Denver one was a lot better. They, they were in it the entire game. They actually came back from a deficit. Um, but even in those previous games where they blew leads, it's tricky because I, I do want to point to those first halves where it's like, okay, well, they did play good enough to get 19, 20 point leads. And I don't think we were seeing the team do that before. So um, like you're showing that there's a good team in here. Doing it consistently is the difference, the same way difference between a decent team, good team, good team, great team um, is that consistency so they need to do that a little bit more often um but certainly for what we're thinking for the rest of this year i will happily take a 32 10 and 5 night from De'Aaron, where he hits four threes almost five because one of uh one of them got reverted to a two with his foot on the line and the kings are still competitive in a game without demonis sabonis against the mvp 
Yeah, I think it's interesting because I saw people uh, like one of the first reactions to my six quick thoughts from from post game last night was I can't believe people keep spending money on this worthless product, and it I thought to myself, man, Kings fans had a good time. That was a really really good game. You you got beat by a much better team, a team that's been good all year, and a team that has based I don't even think they made a single change at the deadline. Um, I, they picked up Bren Forb at some point during the yeah, season, right? Earlier in the year, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but overall, I, like that is a really, really good Denver Nuggets team that was in the Western Conference Finals like two years ago. They have the reigning MVP, who, my goodness, that dude is so freaking amazing. Some of the moves he made on Damian jo- uh, Damian Jones, I, I almost feel like he wouldn't try that on Sabonis because Sabonis would like. Like I don't know, like do something to him, like catch him with an elbow, um, like you're gonna Maybe. do. But my goodness, that spin move he had, like spin move, spin move, spin move. I think he traveled, but I don't care. Like watching him do that stuff at like what is he seven one, like two hundred and eighty pounds or whatever he is. He's just a humongous athlete, and somehow he does stuff that I mean, we haven't seen before. And to me, he's, he's a joy to watch and he's funny. And, you know, I, I was, I would, you know, every time I watch him, I'm even more impressed to me. He's, he should be a two-time MVP right now. That that's where I'm at with him. I think he should be the MVP again um, because he's that good. And because they've played without Michael Porter jr. And, and Murray all season long, uh, or at least most of the season with uh, Michael Porter, but, yeah, geez, he is so incredibly impressive to watch. And, like, I don't know if you saw, someone put out a chart, like, who plays defensively, who holds him to, like, the least things. And it's Sabonis is, like, really high on the list. He's very good against Jokic. And I thought he outplayed Jokic in the last two games uh, that we saw these two teams match up. He did. Um, it probably has something to do with just playing such a similar style himself. Um, and just understanding where kind of he wants to work on the floor and, and taking away ideal scenarios as somebody that can relate um, and plays a similar style. Um, definitely think that Jokic is still going to do what he wants against Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis will fight him and, and be more physical. And, you know, it certainly isn't the case where you're feeling like you're just absolutely destroyed. Like in the last time these two teams matched up, the second Sabonis came off the floor and Damian Jones was on guarding Jokic, it was a disaster. Um, Last night was better for Damian Jones. Uh, Alex Len didn't fare all too well, Um, but Damian Jones did pretty well. And yeah, I mean, it it was a joy to watch Jokic. 38, 18, and 7. He didn't hit a single three on his en route to 38 points. 15 of 24 from the field, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Um, and nobody else really was stepping up. Like, I was kind of shocked to see at the end of the night that Monte Morris had 20 points. Happened pretty quietly to me. Um, Aaron Gordon was not too hot in his return to Northern California. Um, Trey Lyles was too much to handle for him on either end of the floor, apparently. Um <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, <laughs> maybe if we watched a little bit more Embiid or Giannis, um, that we might feel like they're rubbing shoulders with Jokic. But having seen, it feels like this Denver team has been at Golden One Center 
three times in the last like month or two months. Um, so definitely seen a lot of Jokic and blown away every single time. Uh, yeah, I, it's funny. Like you, you bring up a couple things. Number one, every time uh, Brennan says rubbing shoulders, uh, everyone has to drink. That's I don't me. Know why that's my word. I it's I like I like your, that phrase. It, you use it um, and and interesting. It, it always fits with when you're using it, but you don't just use it in one. When it comes to like the standings, now you're talking about players. Like I I dig it. Um, yeah, I, I mean like look, Aaron Gordon just really isn't very good. Like I I don't want to be like horribly rude, but like he's if. Like you considered him in the same level as like Harrison Barnes? I don't think so. Like, man, that thing's a—he's a mess. Like, like the last time is. they played, didn't he take over in the, like the first quarter and had like six points? But but was hitting unsustainable shots, right? Like there were a couple. I think in the fourth or maybe third quarter when Sacramento was kind of going on a run, where you know if Aaron Gordon hits this shot, that it'd be a killer, but you are absolutely fine with him shooting that because he just not converting that night. I mean, 0 of 5 from 3. Um, I, I do think he's pretty solid on the defensive end, but didn't get to show it all too much in that game. Um, yeah, I think I, I do think Barnes is better. Um, I think that Gordon also looks a little bit better when he can focus more on defense and there's more other guys to space the floor. He doesn't have to shoot five threes a game when Michael Porter Jr. and and uh, Jamal Murray are out there maybe helping with that a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, he, he strikes me as a Jeremy Grant-esque, which is like the role they tried to get him to fill. Um, and I think that Jeremy Grant is better and shown more of like a bag or potential on the offensive end, even if he's not the most efficient when he's creating for himself. But weirdly i mean they need a guy that can shoot better and aaron gordon mold um with a respectable three-point shot on okay volume is kind of what the kings are missing yeah i guess i mean he he kind of reminds me like i've always thought of him a little bit like ak-47 like uh andre kirilenko um but the more you watch him the more you're like okay he doesn't do all of those things that i thought he would do and maybe you're right. Maybe it is that they don't have uh, the other guys that would make him look better. Um, but at the same time, they got a bunch of shooters. Like that team has a, they have a, they have plenty of floor spacers. And I mean, if you gave Sabonis all those floor spacers, um, I, he would be much better. Like he would, he would have, you know, a, a couple of triple doubles here already with the Sacramento Kings. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting. Like to watch the the different types of team builds because when you after this also I'll say it's really weird that after the Sabonis trade, like you played the Nuggets three times in like the next ten games, so we're getting like a a really good look at the type of team that you probably need to build because the Nuggets with Sabonis and uh, the Nuggets with Jokic. I mean, that is a type of big man. And I think if you look at the difference between uh, Sabonis and, and Jokic, I think Sabonis is is a tougher player. He's a guy who is going to give it to you a little bit more. Uh, he might even be a little bit better defensively, um, but uh, Jokic is a better scorer. And he's just so he's so incredibly huge. Like, he gets rebounds all the time that's almost like uh, – 
like the tall kid on you know in middle middle school type deal um you know who's just like reaching up above everybody else i i got i think the pug just like got his revenge on the corgi like headbutted the porgy the corgi um, I heard some skids and some battles squealing. going on at the ham yeah, house. Yeah, battle royales at the ham house. Yeah. Um, which one yeah. is Sabonis and which one is uh, Jokic here? Oh, I guess we yeah. can't call Sabonis a pug. That's disrespectful. Uh, I don't think either one of them. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the, the Corgi is a bit of a bully. She likes to herd the, uh, the pug. And the corgi's a baby, but she herds the pug like into corners, and then he just sits there and snorts. He doesn't know what to do, uh, but every once in a while he'll take off running at the corgi and headbutt the corgi, um, <laughs> and that to me is like, oh look, you finally stepped up, and you know you're not going to get pushed around. I've um, had enough. Yeah, exactly. He's had enough. Uh, interesting dog talk uh, here on the the King's Beat podcast. Um, Sabonis, we we, we just kind of glossed over the fact that Sabonis didn't play. And the reason why Sabonis didn't play is very specific. Um, he was suspended by the league on uh, on Wednesday. And the Kings came out firing uh, with their comments. Um, they were not at all happy. Uh, and I have the exact quote. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. It is, as I swipe... I really thought I had this right in front of me. You can do it. I know. I totally passed it. <laughs> God. Anyways. It was something like, we back Sabonis because he is awesome, and we want to make sure he thinks that we think he is awesome and that he will stay longer if we say something to back him up in this time of uh, being suspended for a game. We disagree with the NBA's decision to suspend Montes Bonus. He's a consummate professional and the ultimate competitor. We stand behind Domas, and he has our full support. Took me a okay. Long time. So you found it. You, you nailed it. I think my version is like identical. Same um, thing. Yeah, same exact. Did you thing. write this, James? Yeah, I did. I did. I wrote <laughs> this for them and then sent it over. Uh, I, I just, I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't have any problems with Sabonis getting suspended. Because I saw him bump the official. If the rule is you bump the official and you get suspended, then he deserves to be suspended, letter to the law, and it cost him, I think, something like 140 k right? Uh, I don't know what a game check is for him, but I think it's somewhere around there. I think it's, 100, oh, it's 113th of your salary, so I didn't do the math, but... Um, yeah, that cost him a game check, and a game check is a lot. 127.5 thousand. Okay, and then did he get a fine on top of that, or just a game check? I do not know. I just see Bobby okay. Marks, 127000 is the cost of one game for him. Okay, so here's the problem I have, Brendan. It, it's not that he got suspended for that. It's that Julius Randle, uh, like a couple of days before, chucked a, an official out of the way so he could go like slap fight uh, Cam uh, Johnson. In, in a game against Phoenix and clearly puts his hand on an official and shoves him out of the way to get to to Cam. Um, right before the All-Star break, we saw Chris Paul berate an official to get a technical and then walk over and, and basically give him a shoulder shimmy 
and like, oh, my bad. Sorry, I didn't know you were walking right there. I was looking the other way. Pop. And the official's like, what? And then double tech, out of the game. No suspension for either player. And uh, Chris Paul's been, you know, he's a president of the uh, Players Association. He could still get a fine. He could still get a suspension. But it, his he hurt his hand, I think, on the play in question. Um, yeah, and he hasn't played since. And he hasn't played since. So there's always an outside shot that he'll get a fine or a suspension. When it comes to Randall, here's the problem that I have. And uh, I so I looked into like the situation last week. And so I typed into my email, uh, my Gmail search, um, Randall Fine, right? Because it'll pull up all of the times that I've got an email from the league where it says he gets fined. Um, I thought that it was just that I kept getting emails from the league about Randall getting fined. Like, like the same email got sent to me like from four or five different people. Every once in a while that happens. Um, but that's not what happened. Like I, so I put out that Randall was fined fifteen thousand for bumping the official. He was not. He was fined fifty thousand for bumping the official. The problem was that there were five other emails where Randall has been fined in the last year for doing something by the league: uh, a fifty thousand, two twenty-five thousand dollar fines, two fifteen thousand dollar fines. So we're talking about a repeat offender that, not specifically with officials. But a repeat offender, like an obscene gesture towards a fan, uh, profanity towards a fan, I think. though There were two different... Anyway, my point is that Sabonis, that was the first time he's ever been injected from a game. It's the first time he's ever got a fine that I can find. Uh, I, I have not seen another fine for DeMontis Sabonis. And so you got a first-time offender who gets a game suspension and a $140,000 fine when another dude who just racks up fines gets a $50,000 fine for for basically the same thing. Now, you could say he wasn't aiming like Sabonis was aiming his anger at the official. I don't care. He put his hands on an official. He shoved him out of the way. Uh, uh, Sabonis barely bumped uh the official like while he was losing his mind and uh, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Uh but like w- what is your take on it because I, uh, you know, Again, that's that's just my understanding of it and my frustration of it. It's not that I think Sabonis didn't deserve to be suspended. I just think the consistency of the league is about the consistency of the Kings from one quarter to the next. It's <laughs> a good one. Um, yeah, I think that when I saw it happen, I was I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted right away. You know, this probably means Sabonis is gone for more than just the rest of this game, and. You know that I, it's just how it works. You bump into a guy, even though it was it was very slight, and uh, a lot of people pointed that out. I, I agree, it was very slight, but it was targeted at the ref, and it wasn't like the ref was like moving towards him at the same time. Like I couldn't justify uh, he thought that he was going to stop before he got there. Like I think Sabonis intentionally got all the way up to him, a little bump, um, screaming at him, waving his arms. Like it looked like a suspension to me. I'm with you on the consistency. Um, if I try to justify some of those other ones, like the Randall thing, he put his hands on him, and you're right. Um, I think that maybe the reasoning is like it wasn't targeted at the ref. He was going for Cam Johnson. I don't know that I necessarily like agree, but if I'm trying to find a potential reason there, um, 
but I, I do think that like if you're gonna follow the rules to a T, then stick with it. You put your hands on a ref, you bumped into a ref in any sort of way. I agree with the Randall thing. Chris Paul probably tried to make it look like he didn't mean to bump into him or that he like made it try to look like the ref's fault that he bumped, but really got in his way. Like typical kind of Chris Paul shenanigans. So I think that like as I sat and watched those other ones yesterday, I could figure out maybe how it was justified different. I don't know that I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a tricky thing because if you're going to follow it so by the letter, by the book, then do that in every scenario. And they haven't. Um, I agree with you. I think Sabonis deserved that. But it is a little weird to see these other um, things play out where they don't have the same repercussions. Yeah. And I, I think if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, I mean, number one, this goes all the way back to 2002. Everyone's still hell bent about the 2002 Western Conference Finals and the Kings getting jobbed by the officials. And then Tim Donaghy coming out and saying that it was a league mandate, um, you know, that that they extend the series to seven games and then the Kings blew game seven um, by missing free throws. But uh, I think that when you're you watch enough Kings games, you, you see enough last two minute reports um you see De'Aaron Fox get mugged you see De'Aaron Fox go to the free throw line was it six times in a game where he scored 44 points and only took three what three or four three pointers everything was in the lane he was getting fouled all the time even the two minute report acknowledged that they missed a blatant foul in in the final two minutes that probably changed the outcome of the game um, or at least led to part of the outcome of the game happening. Like, I, I just think that there's an imbalance that people look at when it comes to the Kings, and it's like, okay, I don't get it. And I like, personally, I like that the Kings came out strong like this. I like that they're trying to back Sabonis, because at the end of the day, those are moments where, like, you can try to help. Um, you can at least put your foot down and say, look, it's like getting a technical. It's like a coach getting a technical. I want to see more technicals from the coaching staff. Like, start yelling and screaming. Get ejected from a game. Like, it's okay. Like, the, the franchise isn't going to hold it against you. But at the end of the day, if your team is getting jobbed, if, you're, if, you're, if you feel like the calls are not going the way that they should uh, or they aren't balanced, then, like, make some noise. I totally get it. And, uh... And that's just, for me, I, I think that it comes back to, it always feels like this is what happens to the Kings. And I, I don't want to do like the poor me thing when it comes to the Kings, but I've covered this team a long time. And like, I, I've given up on on making, t even tweeting about the two minute report because I think it's the biggest joke there ever was. And to me, it's embarrassing that the league has to put that out there all the time. Yeah, I don't have the same context of being a Kings fan as long and having to deal with that whole thing that went down in early 2000s. Um, but I tend to think that most fan bases feel like they're getting gypped by the referees or, or dealt an unfair hand. Maybe not Philly when you're shooting 40 free throws a game between two guys, but I, I, I don't know. I, I try to not point towards the officials all too often because more often than not there's a handful of things that the kings could have done better if they wanted to win a game yeah and, and i'll tell you the officiating this year has like it's been bad there's a bunch of replacement guys it has not been smooth 
um even the guy who threw out De'Aaron Fox was the guy who was at who had the um who called the game last night too and and I just he misses a bunch of calls he he makes a bunch of strange calls I mean there was the Alex Len Sabonis play in the third quarter where Sabonis pump faked Alex Len jumped up in the air they're out by the three-point line and Len stops, and then Sabonis initiates contact and Jokic. throws up like – yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Jokic. I'm sorry. Jokic throws up like a 20-something foot just prayer. And the official that's literally standing three feet away from the play says no no call. A second and a half later, a guy on the opposite side makes a call and comes over, and it's just like, look, just call it right. Just call it, like, consistent. That's all. Like, I, I don't – like again, the Kings' record has nothing to do with the officiating this season, at all. I mean, they're a bad team. Yeah, but there were moments. Yeah, like the thing that you just pointed out. There was also one yesterday that was called um, on the Nuggets. It looked like if you were going to call anything, it would have been offensive goaltending, but instead the call was a twenty-four second violation, a shot clock violation. Uh, which was confusing, and then instantly the other ref ran up to the one that called it and was like, what are we doing here? And they went with invert inadvertent whistle. I think this was the very end of a quarter, and then that let Denver get back and set their defense. Yeah, that was a very strange call. The play at the end of the half where it was absolutely clear that Austin Rivers fouled De'Aaron Fox before the whistle, and then they try to wave it off, and Alvin Gentry is literally ready to hit someone with a clipboard, um, like losing his mind. Uh, and then Austin Rivers gets a tech, and then not only do they they reverse, they, they like got the call right, but they announced the call incorrectly when they corrected it. They said, oh, no, he was in the act of gathering. He wasn't shooting. And Three it's shots. like <laughs> – three shots and it's like oh what are you doing um so yeah i just really really like in it's hard to describe like those plays they shouldn't be that hard to call they they shouldn't be and the fact that we're seeing this play out quite often in this season in particular um and again i don't think it's one way or another i just think you know like bad officiating is is kind of i mean michael malone got a tech at at halftime and the worst part was, Brennan, Harrison Barnes missed both Austin Rivers and the Michael Malone Tech. Which is so yeah. weird. Yeah. Tough. And, so and weird. Harrison Barnes misses the Tech, and then De'Aaron Fox walks to the line and hits three free throws in a row. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, I will say, I think Boogie, with his eight minutes and five fouls, probably agrees with you that the officiating was a little tough. What do you think of seeing was- Boogie again? Okay, so the one where he hit Damian Jones, I was like, oh, no. Like, Damian Jones looked like he wasn't going to get back up. I mean, he hit the canvas hard. I was like, oh, that was not good. That was not good at all. Um, He popped right back up, but that one was clear. The other, like, like they called the offensive foul on Damian Jones late, too, and it's like, Okay, that it was an offensive foul, but it was like in a crucial moment in like a like a, a touch foul. Uh, like there were so many questionable things, and I, I think everyone has been frustrated. I mean, um, like that's not the first team that we've seen collect a bunch of technicals against the Kings. 
Like, cause I know every time everyone starts getting technicals, I put out like the Oprah gif, like you get a tech and you get a tech and you get a tech. So I know it's happened multiple times this season where other teams are super angry at the officiating crews. Um, Portland, yeah. Robert Covington throwing his mask at an official. It was at the feet of a guy. Okay. Um, That's, but... but he hit the official with his mask and it's an automatic ejection. And so uh, the problem that he had, what, like, I don't even know if that was intentional. Um, don't think but so. But he had, he, I guess he'd been doing that the last couple of games, throwing his mask at people uh, or throwing his mask in the general direction. And uh, so we were talking about this before. Um, I'm what, for about half the games this year at Golden One, I'm the poll reporter. So anytime something strange happens and we need like a further explanation, um, either a, a home or visiting reporter can file like basically it's not a complaint as much as it is like they can ask a question of the officials to date. I still haven't been, I still haven't gone through the process where I've actually sat in. So I guess what happens is you go and sit in a room and the official is in a different room and we're on zoom and I have to ask the official the exact question from the reporter whoever it was so it could be me who asked a question it could be brendan it could be the visiting person that asked a question um but i i also i get a follow-up question if i want um it's a very strange situation but the only time i tried to initiate it was uh a couple of games ago when fox something happened with fox and um and then they said it was too late by the time we asked and by the time media relations got to the officials. It's got to be within like half hour or 15 minutes of the end of the game. And they said it took too long. Um, but I haven't had to have the pool report. But it is an interesting way. Again, it's kind of like the last two-minute report. And the refs aren't going to give you anything. They're going to be like, no, this is how we saw it. And it's like, okay. Even the Covington thing, that, was almost, that almost triggered the pool report that night. And then the Portland reporters talked to the people that were down on the floor and said, no, it was, you know, they talked to everybody at halftime. They said, no, it was clear. It was clear that he actually hit the official with his, with his mask. Um, but again, if you're going to throw a guy out for hitting an official with a mask and you're going to suspend a guy for touching an official, then you got to suspend everyone for touching an official. You got to spend like, no matter what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely some interesting things that have gone on throughout this year and yesterday's game was quite the yeah quite the experience especially going into halftime i think that was the weirdest five ten minutes uh that i've maybe experienced at golden one um but yeah i mean definitely interesting we heard harrison barnes earlier this year i want to say in that maybe it was the dallas game um where De'Aaron had his career high tied his career high um, maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but it was just recently on this road trip where Harrison was talking about the officials. And I, I mean, I haven't heard that this year, but Harrison doesn't seem like the guy to do that. Um, seems I think very that was rare. Jokic again. That was against was Jokic it? where he went up for the play and Jokic like hit him with his belly on the backside and shut and knocked him under the rim. They called an and one and then pulled it back off the board and gave the Nuggets the ball like or they did a jump ball okay yeah yeah it was yeah so that, many and then that's what he's like really like are you kidding me he's like it was clearly a foul yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, but speaking of De'Aaron, who, you know, was probably a guy that I think that we've heard could probably get a little bit of a friendlier whistle. I, I think that there's definitely moments that you see that he's a guy that drives into the lane very often and is happy to play through contact. And we've seen that a lot more again, um, ever since the the trade, really, he looks, I think that the word Alvin's been using is rejuvenated. Um, and that you can very much see De'Aaron had another great game, 32 points, 10 assists, five rebounds. Um, he's, playing really, really well, and the team struggles when he's not on the floor. Even when Sabonis has been active, they've struggled recently without De'Aaron, um, but even more apparent when Sabonis is not out there, obviously. Yeah, I think the the question that you know we'll probably discuss here is, like, there's this notion out there that De'Aaron Fox is just putting Apollo stats, and I think that that's, that's you can say that if the team is just literally getting drubbed every single night and you watch a guy you know score 12 points in the fourth quarter in a 22 point blowout and none of those 12 points matter but now he's got 24 points for the game I haven't seen any of that I haven't seen any like stat hunting from De'Aaron Fox I think most of his his things uh, his uh, scoring opportunities are most of them are in the flow of the offense or at least the flow of the offense for a number one option. And so like he's attacking the rim, he's doing the fall away, he's hitting his threes um, over the last, what, what do we say? He's got uh, 14 straight games with, with 20 or more um, since returning from injury. He's played 13 games, averaged in 38 minutes, 28.2 points, 6.5 assists, 4.3 rebounds. Um, he's shooting 51.8% from the field and 38.7% from three on 4.8 attempts per game. He's been excellent. Like, I, there's no other way to put it. Like, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like, he has been an elite player. Now, he hasn't been an elite player for the entire season, but for the last 14 games, he's been elite. And uh, I think we're seeing what he can be again. We just have to see it for 82 next year. We definitely do, at least like 70 of next year. Um, and yeah, none of what he's doing feels all too unsustainable. Maybe this three-point shooting a little bit will come back down to earth. Um, but I, I do think that he's better than the percentage that we saw we saw earlier in the year at the same time. Like it lies somewhere in the middle there. And while, like, technically, it is empty stats because they're not getting wins, right? Like, if you, if you want to be technical with it. Um, but that doesn't mean that his play can't contribute to winning basketball um, just because it's not resulting in wins right now. Like, you need other guys. Like, Devin Booker had this exact same label. I think Zach Levine saw the exact same thing. Um, DeMarta Rosen got the same label last year when he was in San Antonio. Um, so I think there's a lot of these guys that you can see that you would help a team win, but you can't do it by yourself. Like, look at what Steph Curry did last year. If I'm remembering right, led the league in points per game with some absurd number. And him and Draymond both play a good handful of the games last year. And the Warriors were really bad. But then they revamped their surrounding cast. And how much better have they been this year? You know, like, I'm not trying to say that Fox and Sabonis are 
Curry Draymond caliber. You said but it. You said it. I heard you. <laughs> I did. I did. The Warrior comparisons, they have to keep going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's just the surrounding cast matters a lot. And just because technically it's not resulting in wins, these big nights from De'Aaron Fox doesn't mean to me that he's not capable of contributing to winning basketball. You just need other guys helping you surrounding. Because even last night, 12 made threes, four of those are from De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, um, uh, and three of them were from Harrison Barnes. If you if you take away those, uh, you know we're looking at they were they were seven of thirteen. Um, that means that the rest of the players on the team were five of twenty one from three, one of five from Lyles, one of four from Holiday, uh, Damian Jones and Alex Lamb both bricked theirs. Uh, Dante Divincenzo goes over three. Davion Mitchell was okay, two for four, and Metu was one of two, um, but. The point is that if the other players outside of Barnes and and uh, Fox do something like hit 40% or 35%, even if they hit 30%, you probably are in the game. Uh, you probably have a shot at least at, you know, the potential to, to win that game. Um, it's just when no one is hitting shots, which they haven't since the trades, uh, that's a problem. And that's why we keep saying, you know, they're going to have to improve those positions around Fox and Barnes and Sabonis. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that, that that's going to have to happen. Um, I, I don't think they're hollow stats. I've watched hollow stats. I've watched players on teams that, you know, like are just, they're just putting up 20 a game because, they can coast to 20 and their team has no chance to win. You know, it's kind of like Lamont Murray was a guy who like bounced around the league, putting up 20 for teams and never won. And like, that's not totally to call out Lamont Murray and say he's a bad player. It's to say that if you put him on a team with say four or five good players, he's probably going to be number six or seven. And he's not going to average 20 games. He's going to average like 14 a game, but he's doing that um, because he's, he has the opportunity um, again. Like I think there are times where even if I looked at the Kings and I said, okay, are they just putting up numbers? I think yes, buddy. He'll just put up numbers there. There has been times where straight up, he's just going out there and trying to get stats at the end of a game. So his stats don't look so bad. So his three point numbers look good. Uh, clearly there were, there were multiple games, even this season, where he goes 0 for 7 or 0 for 8 in the first half, and the game is over and they're down 20-something, and he's in in the early fourth quarter, and he hits three threes in a row, and all of a sudden he's got you know 12 or 15 points, and it's just they're hollow because you already shot yourself out of the game. You're still down 20. You're just hitting threes now, when it and it doesn't matter. I don't get that with Fox. I don't like a lot of his points come in the fourth quarter. Um, a lot of his points come in the first quarter. Like, I, I just don't see it. So maybe I'm crazy. No, I'm with you. I think it's still a question of, uh, you know, on an eventual team that's fighting for Western Conference finals sort of things, like can he be a number one? I still think that's a question in the air. Yeah. Maybe I, I'm kind of in the, you know, maybe if he's a 1B and there's a 1A, that like maybe that's a scenario that could work. Um, but I think the fact that it's still a question because there there are guys that put up numbers where you just flat out know like that is not a top option on a on that caliber of a team. 
Um, but kind of like on the surrounding guys, what do you make of Dante getting 12 minutes? Alvin told us not to read into it too much, but I am definitely reading into it. You're reading into it. Um, I don't know. I think it's interesting because we had Dante. Uh, first of all, he had his best game as a king, I, I believe, the game before. And then they gave him to us at practice on Tuesday. So we had conversations with uh, with Dante. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think they're a little bit caught in this area uh, with, with Dante because, uh, you know, you do control how much some of the money that he's going to make this summer and, you know, whether he's going to make – um, you know, we've talked about like ballpark figures, right? And I, I know he turned down, um, like a three or four year, eight to $10 million a year contract from the bucks. Um, I, I know he turned that down. I think it was a three year, 24, three year, 20, uh, a three year 30 or something right around there. Um, and then he hasn't had a great season. And so you got to wonder what he's going to make. Uh, I know that, that uh like according to my sources like he's probably looking for a four-year 40 or a three-year a three-year 30 maybe a little bit more than that uh mid-level exception money and they think that there while there isn't a lot of cap space out there this year for teams everyone has an mle so like he will get offers and i I think for that money the kings are probably going to keep him um but at the same time if like he doesn't finish that strong and he's still like a a bit all over the board and you know that you already have you know 6.5 tied up in Justin uh Justin Holiday next year 6.3 and you still have Terrence Davis of 4 million um all of a sudden you're if you're going to put 20 million dollars in the shooting guard position but no one is really a starting caliber then that's a problem and so i, I think I want to see him start. Uh, I've said that a bunch, not because I think he should be the starter next year. I, it's because I want to know if he should be the starter next year. I want to see him b- build chemistry. I want to see what he looks like when he's not pulling up and, and shooting ill-advised, uh, you know, off the dribble three pointers. And he's doing that because he can, because he's one of the number one scoring options on the second unit. You put him in the starting lineup, and does he take those shots? Does he still do that? And if he does, can you tell him not to? Um, and, you know, can starters tell him not to, as opposed to bench players trying to tell him not to? Like, in the moment, as opposed to, like, calling a timeout and saying, hey, man, don't do that again if you're the coach. Um, but, like, I need to see more of him, and I was really surprised that we saw so much less of him. It's weird. Uh, the lineup that we saw him out there a lot too was Davion Mitchell had like this weird hip thing that went on, and him and Dave, him and Dante, Davion and Dante both came in the same time. I want to say it's about one forty left in that first quarter, and then Davion only plays the rest of that first, and then goes back into the locker room um, because of a slight hip thing that was weird. And, and Alvin said there's no concerns there. Davion came back later in the game. But that means that Dante's in a lineup where he's just surrounded by tough... It's not a good lineup, and he's asked to do too much. He's the point guard. It's Dante DiVincenzo, Justin Holiday, Chemezi Metu, Trey Lyles, and Damian Jones. Um, Dante, while I've been impressed with his playmaking, the only guy that can pass in a lineup 
I don't know if that's uh, the best for him. There's no guys that are creating their own shots in that lineup outside of, you know, first quarter was over, so Trey Lyles was past that moment, I guess. Um, but he got asked to do a little bit too much because when I, you know, was talking about it a little bit on Twitter of, oh, he only played 12 minutes, and I didn't feel great about that. A lot of people are like, well, he didn't play very good. I, I don't think that he was given a great opportunity. And where I really take issue with this is that we've heard Dante talk about he's been struggling to get back into a rhythm since he's come back from injury. He played those 17 games with Milwaukee, and he was like, I'm fighting coming back myself and getting a rhythm, but also the rotation, an inconsistent rotation in Milwaukee. And now he's dealing with the same thing in Sacramento. Um, And maybe this is just the outlier outside of this. Like this, this is the outlier right now. Um, but I, I think that if this is a guy that needs to get back into a rhythm, recovering from injury, which makes sense to me, and I think we clearly see comparing last year to this year for him, that he does need to get consistent opportunity to kind of work through that. I agree. I agree with all of that. Like, I, I would like to see him get a full run to figure out if he's the answer. Like, because, I mean, not to, like, I don't, I don't think Justin Holiday is the answer. I don't think he'll be the starting shooting guard on the Kings next year. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. There's always a possibility, but I mean, I, I look at him as much as a trade ship or a, a a rotational piece that you can use here and there as, as anything like I, you know, will there be games where he plays plenty? Sure. If he gets hot, if he starts blocking shots, like he did, um, you know, against Denver, you're like, sure. Like he can play. But he's more of a back into the rotation guy, in my opinion. And he's also more of a guy that um, when you really look at his game, like he's clearly a fifth option in most offensive sets. Um, and, and you know, you talked about DiVincenzo um, as far as like when he came in the game. I, from what I see, he didn't play in the first quarter. He came in at the, at the beginning of the second. And again, he's like his limits, his minutes are totally limited when you're doing that. Like he's the one guy who's kind of sitting there watching and then he comes in after everyone else and they're staggering. They're trying to like give Fox a little break and then bring him back and then put him back on the bench. Like they're doing some very interesting substitution patterns, which, um, you know, Brendan, just so people know, before uh, we came on, Brendan sent me a link to uh, a site that I, I used to go to years ago, but um now like i'll probably end up going here a lot more um and it's called popcornmachine.net and uh it it breaks down literally like the substitution patterns and how players did in each of their stints so again i i think you know trey lyles plays all but the last minute 48 of the first quarter he was absolutely spectacular five of six from the field three of three then he plays almost the entire third uh, second quarter as well all but the final minute 37 um and doesn't fare as well one of three from the field uh of two then he doesn't score again and you see his minutes in the second half he ends up playing a ton of minutes but uh you you may have like burned him out in the first half by by playing him too many minutes in a row by playing him almost the entire first quarter sitting him for like a minute and 48 seconds and then almost all of the second quarter, you know, he walked out of the first half with 20 minutes. And like, I I don't know that Trey Lyles is a guy that should be playing 20 minutes and a half. 
and certainly he shouldn't be playing 40 minutes in a game. Like you need to like give Chemezi Metu or, or someone else minutes in that game to try to like mix things up. And I thought actually Metu was really good in that game. Uh, but again, if, if you guys want to look at some of those stats and some of the rotational things, um, there are a lot of people on the internet uh, that do some really cool stuff that I don't think get enough exposure. So like Popcorn Machine is one. Uh, Brennan, what are some of the others that, that you like to go to? Cleaning the Glass is definitely one that I, I really like. Um, I use dunksin3s.com sometimes, um, not as much as Cleaning the Glass. You know, like Synergy and Instat are the two that are pretty expensive but amazing at having clips um, available for people. Um, those are the ones that stand out to me. I'm sure I'm forgetting others. Yeah, um, I, I've i always used 82games.com, um, which is, I think it's Mark Deeks, um, which incredible, incredible stuff. But, like, it shows you sort of advanced stats on like not only like like take Harrison Barnes for an example you could look at Harrison Barnes's stats as a um at the three and at the four and what his PER is at the three and how much percentage of his time he spends at the three and how much percentage of his of his time he spends at the four what his PER is what his PER against is what is like his overall net rating is in each of those positions for the time that he's on the floor. So again, I, I think there are a lot of people out there that are doing amazing work. And so if you, if you get sort of a wild hair to, to start getting into something specific, like I, I know Brendan likes to get into like film breakdown. I'm not so much a film breakdown guy. I love the salary cap. So like I, Larry Kuhn is one of my guys. Um, like I, you know, I know Larry well, and, you know, I can text him and say, Hey, I'm stuck here on this question. Uh, but like the CBA FAQ that he has is absolutely incredible. And if you use, um, like the easiest way to like navigate the site is you just, you just use, uh, like command F or whatever. And so you can actually find specific things like all over the website that you're looking for, because it is like a gigantic wall of words. Um, but like it's the finer nuances of a salary cap. Like when we talk about things like starter criteria or, you know, what used to be base year compensation or like, when can you extend a player? When can you not extend a player? Like the Kings could not have extended Harrison Barnes last summer, but now that he's in the final year, he's going to enter the final year of his contract. They can extend him. Uh, the Sabonis questions about extensions, um, you know, can you trade De'Aaron Fox in his first year of a $28 million contract? Um, yes, but can you trade him in the year before where he's making 8.2, but he already has a $28.2 million contract for next year? There's a way that those two contracts like intermingle that has to be met in a trade. So there are a lot of things that I like to dig into when it comes to trades, when it comes to salary cap, it, you know, like advanced questions that, you know, sometimes I've, I've got to pull my, my uh, wife down and say, hey, look, I need you to, like, look at the lawyerese of this and explain to me, Translate. what am I missing here? <laughs> yeah, because there are some, like, translation issues here um, that I need you to, like, walk me through here. Uh, but, like, I, there are a lot of people out there. We cover the Kings. So hopefully you're getting your niche of Kings coverage 
from guys like us who are, are doing, you know, we're doing a lot of good work. We're, we're at the arena every day. We're trying to give you video content and podcasts and writing and, you know, social media content and all that stuff. But there are all of these other avenues that if you have some interest in basketball, the NBA, it, there's so many talented people out there. And a lot of these guys, eventually, they get scooped up, man. They get scooped up by teams. Like, I remember Sebastian Prudy uh, was, like, the godfather of, like, video breakdown. and Or even he would use stills with all these little, like, arrows going one way, like, explaining complex things. And uh, I thought it was it was great to read his stuff, and he got scooped up, and I think he's still in a front office somewhere. Um, but like a lot of these guys end up uh, becoming salary cap experts for teams, or or um, you know scouts or or things like that, because um, they just have an interest and they start digging into it, and, and it opens a door. Yeah, Jeff Siegel was early bird rights, which was my favorite cap sheet site to go to for the last like two years or so and he got picked up by clutch sports agency um the cap sheet i go to now is spotrac s-p-o-t-r-a-c mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure keith smith is the one that does a lot of the upkeep there um mm-hmm. and keith is a great twitter follow as well but yeah. yeah there's there's a whole lot of things out there for sure and there are definitely people that all of a sudden disappear and yeah you can probably figure out why yeah, it's, it, it's a hard business too. Like these guys are doing this work. A lot of them, they're they're doing it in uh, like out there in an anonymity. Uh, you know, they're anonymous people. Like even like basketball references, like it's been such a game changer for every professional sport, like baseball reference, uh, football reference, all of it. I, I use it daily. Uh, you know, I use it for shot charts. I use it for all kinds of stuff. ESPN, I mean, uh, um NBA, uh, especially for like the media, we have like a, a portal that we can go into and look at stats. A lot of times it's awesome. Uh, sometimes like you have to have like the right browser or bogs and it's just horrible to work with. Um, uh, they have yeah. everything, but it's terribly hard to navigate. Very, very hard. Yeah, and it's hiding. So even like last week when, or, or on Tuesday, um, we talked, I, I think we talked about Sunday musings and how I looked. I was looking up um, like the Luke Walden era of uh, offensive rating, defensive rating, pace, all that stuff versus the Alvin Gentry era. And I mean, the offense is slightly better under Gentry. The pace is like almost identical under both coaches, but the defensive rating and for all those people out there, like, like Luke had the worst defense ever. It's like, mm, no, he did not. It's, it's even worse under Alvin, their defensive rating, uh, although they played good defense yesterday, so it could change the rating. But it was like 115 defensive rating versus Luke Walton's 110 defensive rating. So not, neither of those are great, but at the same time, you know, you're looking at uh, situations where, you know, you can look at advanced stats and, and start breaking them down in a different way. Definitely. Yeah, there's a whole lot of resources and translating and, and explaining them is definitely a acquired skill that I've worked on over time because there's a lot of times where maybe I go on a pod or an article kind of just word vomit a bunch of numbers or I go into something with an outline of man I found so many good stats to back up my point and then I always like to throw it by uh, throw my articles by a friend that is not like 
as nerdy or obsessed with basketball as I am, but more just casually watches. Um, and sometimes it's like, man, this is this is too heavy right here. And translating it is and what it means and why it's applicable is definitely a skill also. Yeah, I, I think that's like when I'm writing, one of the biggest things that I like to do is I try to make specific specifically salary cap situations like palatable digestible for like the common fan that's that's always like i'll try to explain it and i'll I'll explain on the radio as well or on the podcast Um, but like the key is to try to make it so people go oh okay i think i follow you and if i don't that's okay I, i think i have enough of an idea that i can follow what you're saying and so that you know, like you get better and better and better at that as time goes by. It becomes like, again, having people read it like what you're doing that, that don't understand it or aren't interested in it, um, which again, my wife edits almost everything that I do. She is an attorney. She can edit and she's an incredible editor as well. Um, all right. So uh, we've gone through like all kinds of stuff. Uh, the one thing we haven't gone through is there's a article out today from uh, Sam Amick on The Athletic where he um, he hung out with Sabonis, which was cool because now Brennan gets to see that play out. So Brennan watched uh, he watched the the one on ones happen on Tuesday during practice, where Sam was with Sabonis, and then Logan Mur- Murdoch was with De'Aaron Fox. So I'm sure that's coming out soon. And then I had some time with De'Aaron. Um, I had a little bit of time with Alvin. Um, like how those things happen, but uh, Sabonis had some interesting things to say about um, the trade. Like, uh, there's some cool things in there. I, I think people should read it because I, it's hard to to ask somebody a question. Like, you don't always want to ask. You don't want to ask a personal question that you don't at least know part of the answer to uh, of a player because then you can get yourself in a whole bunch of trouble. Like, um, I, I remember like very distinctly where a reporter got hung up with JaVale McGee and asked him if his mom was still with us, which was probably the most awkward moment I've seen in a long time. And it was just like, it was a mistake on a reporter's part who, um, probably thought they had an idea of where they were going, but then got a little self-confident, uh, like self-conscious midway through the question and was like, Oh wait, what if I ask that question? His mom isn't around. Um, but when it comes to Sabonis, he doesn't talk about his dad very often. And so there's a couple of things in there about Arvidas, which again, like Arvidas Sabonis, like growing up, I watched Arvidas Sabonis play one of the most incredible things to watch of all time. It kind of like Jokic, uh, but, or maybe even, a mixture of Domas and Jokic where he did a lot of the same things with his hands, a lot of the tricky things, the passing, the incredible, I mean, the incredible passing that, that Arvidas Sabonis could do. Um, but uh, like you, you've perused, uh, perused through the article a little bit. Um, it was, it was good to hear him say that like during the trade, his mom and his dad had come out for the holidays and then they decided to stay and stick around his family because, you know, they they were worried that a big trade would happen and they need they stayed around to help out, right? And so I thought that that was interesting and it kind of opens the door for us to have like more discussions about you know Domas and his dad 
and, you know, sort of that connection and, and how much did he learn from his dad? Yeah, we definitely don't hear much from Sabonis about it. Uh, my knowledge all comes from you or my dad about Arvidas. Can't say I ever watched Arvidas, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think it is interesting because kind of weird that we, we don't hear about it very often. It's it's cool to hear that they stuck around Ar- Arvidas and his, and his mom after the whole trade went down. Um, pieces in there that like we've heard Domas say, I don't remember if it was a practice or post game, but still doesn't feel fully at home because he's living in a hotel across from Golden One Center still, um, which Sam talks about in the piece. And, and I think the thing that kind of stood out the most is what's thrown in at the end here when when Sam and talks to Domas about uh, his future with Sacramento, right? And what that looks like. Yeah, uh, excited to be part of, of that uh, and build it. Uh, I want to stay as long as I can. Everything has to go well, but I'm happy here. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Kings need to, to make sure that they build a team around this guy. Uh, but I also do think that there's a good chance that he's going to be a long-term fixture in Sacramento. They did this trade with the understanding that he is going to be a franchise cornerstone and really like one of the biggest pieces of that cornerstone like of 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 the build that they're going to build out yeah and you just gotta as we've said a lot gotta keep that build going gotta add to it this offseason um we were gonna go to the the business of basketball the business of basketball um we had a topic and i didn't write it down and now i've forgotten the topic what were we going to talk about on the business of basketball, Brendan? Um, I don't know, James. You're the one with the crazy memory. Yeah, but the short-term memory is shot. True, Absolutely shot. Um, let's do this. Uh, I, I think you're learning every single day. Uh, you're, you're taking in things. Um, going into the summer, what is it that that you want to uh how, how do you want to build out sort of your toolbox this summer because I, I i think you're getting through the first season and you're like you're living the dream and you're like okay this is crazy this is crazy um what do you want to do more of what do you want to uh focus on how do you want to grow as a reporter because we're going to go into an off season where you know, there's going to be a lot of things happening right away. I guarantee you in the first week we're going to have um, potential coaching changes and um, like this thing's going to be like pretty, pretty crazy. And you're going to go through that. But like once we settle into the dog days of summer, you're going to need to figure out like who you are and what voice you have and and those types of things. So what are you uh, hoping or, or wanting to expand and work on this summer? Yeah, I think that I'm definitely going to spend a lot of the summer now that I have, and I've said this before, but it, my idea and understanding of this gets better just the more reps, obviously. Um, but I'll, I'll get to actually, you know, lock in somewhat of what I want my weeks to look like going into next season and kind of have time to actually sit there and plan that out with two or three podcasts and X amount of articles. And I do want to start doing youtube content like video content of you know breaking down plays and also working together like um if 
there's the game yesterday, for example, you hear, um, I don't remember an exact quote on, on something that happened with the game. Oh, De'Aaron talking about forcing turnovers. They forced 20 turnovers where I can have De'Aaron talking and at the same time all these clips of the turnovers going on and, and kind of those overlapping. Or So I kind of want to play with video content, but I think a lot of it is going to be just now that I know what it looks like, getting a plan in place for a schedule and consistency going into next year and, and also before this year ends like um, I think I said this on the last business of basketball my voice isn't deep enough James the business of basketball <laughs> I got you um, that you know I, I want to build relationships as this year ends but then also navigating how to keep those up throughout the off season since we're not going to be around like I still don't know if like, do you keep in contact? Do you give like how much space? And, you know, I think every situation is probably going to be different playing it by ear, but going through the first time of, of dealing with all that, um, I think there's a handful of things. So while I'm also going to be, and, and of course I'm going to be on the draft and free agency and all that. And I typically spend the off season as a way to get caught up on what's going on with the rest of the league. Cause it's so in tune with everything that's going on with the Kings, but trying to get a better understanding of like, yeah, Jordan Poole got so much better this year, but what specific aspects of the game is he better in? And, and things like that. It gives me time to brush up on some other guys. So I have my ideas for where I want to expand a little bit, but I think also dealing with an offseason with this sort of access and really cemented goal in mind of, of this being a, a profession is going to be its own thing in a way as well. And still plenty of areas to find content and ways to keep myself busy. I think there's a ton of ways to keep yourself busy. Like I, like I never shut off during the off season. I maybe don't post as much, but still it's going to be a lot of content. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, like when I look at, um, we're coming out of this weird, we're starting to come out of the, the COVID, the pandemic period. Right. And we don't know fully what, media access is going to look like next year. Um, there is a battle right now going on behind the scenes as to whether we'll have locker room access about if that's going to be tiered, like who's going to get in the locker room. If we are going to have locker room access, there's, there's all of these things that still have yet to be figured out, but I'll say this, this on Tuesday, that was the most normal day that we've had in so long. And it, it was because as soon as like, First of all, they, they've allowed us to take our masks off. Uh, sometimes you still feel like you're in a weird setting and you need to put your mask on. Um, but like everyone that we're around is is double vax from, well, they're, they're, uh, they've had their boosters and everything else, um, especially media. Like we can't be in the building without it. Um, so we have the, like a little bit of a safety net. Um, things have cooled down a little bit as far as like the variants and stuff like that. Um, so we were able to take our masks off at practice and it just led it led to more conversations, quiet conversations off the record or even on the record, but one-on-one -on -one conversations. I miss that so much because like there, there are a couple of different ways that you, you write sort of like, so you have your, like your quick analysis pieces, you have your big analysis pieces when it, you know, you're breaking down numbers or you're breaking down salary contracts. Uh, like all that stuff. Um, but then, you know, I also write columns. So every Sunday I write Sunday musings, right? 
And that's a column where I'm giving you more of a look into my thought process, where I think the team is going, or um, like some, you know, just again, my thoughts. There, like if you've followed me long enough, like Sunday musings, sometimes I'll talk about like going to an A's playoff game with my son. Um, sometimes I'll talk about like there's a lot of different things that I can go. But then feature writing is something that like is dying because we don't have the access and no one wants to write a feature based off of like zoom zoom questions because by the time you've put out by the time you go to write a long form piece and you've collected all these uh these quotes and stuff those quotes have been out there like on social media like everyone's seen the video or a lot of people have already seen the video someone else has already written on those quotes like you lose the power of like what makes your piece different so you can and that's going to be like that's the hardest part about the this entire like covering a team during a pandemic you know besides like trying to stay safe and all that stuff the hardest thing is that we all get the same content every single time so if you have some idea and you want to write about something you have to ask a a question that's being recorded and put out there for everyone to see so how do you keep framing out your your piece and what it does is it forces you to be like a your your writing has to be different for sure but it also at a certain point you're just like i don't want to just keep giving you the same quotes that everyone else has got that that's just not that intriguing to anyone so um so i think we've ditched a lot of the feature writing and i'm excited to write long form pieces on on guys like sabonis and the sabonis uh you know you know demontis and arvidas i'm excited to you know get into some of the De'Aaron fox stuff and so that that i'm it's kind of getting back to basics but it also is really hard to get back to basics during the summer because now you're not around them anymore. So we got to pick and choose how we do this. But um, I, I definitely think that, you know, even on the podcast front, like the goal, the, the beginning of the season, it was to do one podcast with Sean and I talking and a second podcast with me interviewing someone. That just fell by the wayside. That's not the way the season went. Um, it's not the way the, the access went. And we're going to get back to that where we're, we're interviewing people um yeah as a third as part of the podcast but like we had to make changes because that's sort of the access and how everything went so i'm excited to get a little bit back to normal and and to keep growing with with guys like brendan and you know guys like sean on podcast and um you know i i think this is it's fun we're creating something different in sacramento um but it's because we're kind of forced to create something different in sacramento and the media market is is crazy small and it keeps getting smaller and uh you know like I, I want more voices in the room and i'm glad that brendan is one of those voices in the room uh frankie over 1140 uh you know the the two new guys at fox well new guys but uh you know chris and Lindsay at uh at fox 40 just fresh blood giving us more people to ask questions and be part of the conversation because i think it it stimulates you in a different way and like maybe someone asks a question and you hear something in an answer that you didn't expect to hear and then you go chase that story because that story seems intriguing to you and we just really haven't had that opportunity so i'm hoping we get back to a little bit of normalcy and basics next season yeah i'm uh definitely glad to be the part be a part of it and 
finally at a point where I can actually listen and hear keywords and repeating terms in all these answers instead of sitting there repeating my question to myself over and over um, and being all quietly stressed and anxious to myself. So that, that, that helps a little bit too as well. And this off season, there's a good chance we got to learn a new coaching staff. And new, new coaches, new first round picks, uh, new, you know, we're, we're going to have a Cal- California classic again, from what I know. Um, not that I'm breaking news here, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be a California classic again. Um, Las Vegas is going to be a little bit more expanded as far as the, uh, summer league. It's going back to its normal state from what I've heard. Um, gotta so defend the championship. See, but you also, you got to try to get to Vegas and experience summer league once, um, it's a good time. I don't want to do it a bunch anymore because number one, I like melt in the sun and there's nothing hotter than, than going to Vegas and for summer league. I mean, it's just like so incredibly hot. Um, so anyway, I, I like, there's a, there's a lot to the summer that I'm excited to see you get to take part in and, um, and I'm looking for some normalcy. It should be fun. Plus I, I get to go to the final four. So there coming up in the, we're going to have some weirdness where I, like we might have to cancel like Sunday musings and, uh, the weekend review, um, on Saturdays because I'm going to the final four in new Orleans, uh, for the, the two games on Saturday and the game on the final, the championship game on Monday. Um, so that should be fun, but you'll get content from there and sort of, especially if guys like Chet Holmgren make it all the way to the finals, it should be interesting. Um, all right, uh, Brandon, do you have any final thoughts? I don't know that I do. I really like AJ Griffin and Keegan Murray, but still I'm doing a little bit more research. Keegan That's... Murray, uh, he's growing on me. Keegan Murray's growing on me. And, you know, let's be honest. The Kings have, they could use a shooting guard. They could use a, a stretch four, a defensive-minded stretch four. They could even use a starting level three, and Barnes can move over. They have to have a long-term idea what they're going to do at that three if Barnes uh, decides he's not going to stick around. So, like, there's a lot of players in this draft that fit what the Kings need, you know, from, like, one through ten, and I think it's intriguing. It definitely is. Actually, last thing I'll say, Namiyash Keita is, I be- unless I'm misled here but i believe he's going to be playing with stockton today and 7 p.m playing against james weissman so that should be if i want to check out yeah nimi is it's supposed to be back um i was surprised nimi didn't play last night uh especially just like i, I don't want to bash on alex len he's got so much going on behind the scenes like people like if you're watching alex len and you're going to be critical of his play just know that like his entire world is is under assault and in Ukraine. And so, um, yeah, he, he's going through it like, like lots of stress. Um, and so, uh, I, I thought we were probably going to see Nemi, uh, last night. And I, I was surprised that we didn't, especially he was in uniform. He was there. Um, I hope the, the good people, of, uh, Portugal didn't stay up all night. See, I, I want to go to Portugal and go hang out with Nemi in, in Portugal. That would be fun. There you go. Yeah. I'm, that definitely would be fun. <laughs> I'd just write that thing, that whole trip off. Just go to Portugal, hang out with Nemi, write it off. It's one big tax write-off. <laughs> Why not? That's right. Uh, all right, so let's uh, touch base. Uh, again, uh, the Off the Record with the Kings beat Virtual Happy Hour Part 4. 
uh, Infectious Disease Control with Scott Moak is scheduled for March 24th uh, from 5.30 to 7.00 p.m., 5.30 to 7.30, uh, because we always go long. I just expanded it out for two hours. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so make sure you're a premium subscriber of the King's Beat if you want to partake in that. Uh, it's a good time. I will be drinking and hanging out and having good like uh, there's some good questions that we got going. He's got some he's got some cra crazy stories, especially uh, he's going to go through his uh, like what it's like to be a voice on 2K, the video game. Um, so that's fun. The Kevin Durant story is fun. Uh, lots of other things. Um, outside of that, uh, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that stuff. And then I I'm going to my final thought um, cause, because of the pandemic uh, and because of the way his career path has gone, I had not seen uh, DeMarcus Cousins in person for a while. Um, he during he got done with warmups and then he went and sat on like this stanchion um uh, during pregame yesterday and so many people from sacramento came to say hello you know came to give him hugs uh sign lady and nico came over um andrew his guy who you know was with him for years to start his career and is still based out of sacramento um you know taro from Makuni and phil oates and like so many people were there to like come over and greet him and say hi to him it was fun to see Boogie. Um, we had we had a cool moment where he made fun of me for having a goatee uh, because you know he's like, "Oh, you're getting you're growing up now," and it's like I'm so much older than than Boogie Cousins. But he also has white hair and his beard, and we we had a good laugh about it. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting to see someone. I broke into the league with Demarcus Cousins in the 2010 2011 season. That was his rookie season. That was my rookie season as a reporter. When my my first one on one as a reporter, I sat down with Demarcus and did like a Q and A with him. I had no idea what I was getting into, uh, but it was fun. And it's just it's cool to see somebody. You know, it hasn't gone the way that you thought it would go with him. Um, he did envision being a Hall of Fame player. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but still. It's good to catch up. It's good to see the big guy, uh, and I wish him nothing but the best here towards the end of the season. I hope that it goes well for him there with Michael Malone because that's fun, and that team is fun, and that team has a shot, especially if they get a couple of players back before the end of the season. Even if they don't, they still are strong and can make some a little bit of noise. So uh, so hat tip to uh, to Boogie. It's good to see him. Definitely, yeah. He's been He's been playing well, too. Yeah, yeah, he did not play well against the Kings. Um, he did not. But, no, he did not. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Beat Podcast. Uh, thanks for jumping in and uh, being subscribers and, and all the things that you guys have done to help the Kings Beat. Uh, make sure to go to the merch shop. You can find promo codes down below. Uh, and I think that's going to do it. So for Brandon Nunez, I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Beat Podcast. We'll see you next week.